And now we're here at the beautiful Manchester by the Sea Public Library at 15 Union Street, right in downtown Manchester by the Sea. I am Corey Cooker with my co-host Heather Atwood. How are you, Heather? I'm good, Corey. This is great. It's great. Yeah, we had a little slushy drive here, but yeah. not too bad no, for beautiful. February in Manchester. Yeah, and it's great right? um, getting to know the neighborhood a bit too. I mean, I grew up right down the street of Magnolia, so I spent a lot of time oh, here. Oh, you did. Yeah, but I oh. love finding. Uh, well, first, I haven't been in this building in a while until you and I visited. A have you ever been ago. in this building yes, before? I have. That? Okay, I have. that's good. No, yeah. But it was great um, just to reconnect with everyone here, and we're going to learn a lot more about the library and Manchester at large, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, I learned a little bit about this library just mm. in the past couple of days because I was researching it, and we are shooting this episode on the day before Valentine's Day, and there's a love story here. Is there? Yeah, I'm going to try to tell it really quickly because uh, hopefully we have a historian who will do it better. We do. But Charles McKim, who was the architect who built this house, he was married to Julia Appleton, the Appleton family of Appleton Farms. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're sort of marrying Manchester. He was from Manchester and Appleton, Ipswich, Appleton Farms. And she tragically died the year this building was dedicated. She was 27 years old. And he, there's an arch in the other room that he installed. It's 800 years old. Mm. It came from Brittany, Brittany France. I believe, Brittany, France. And he has, he made sure there are three engravings on that arch that may, in fact, probably do reference his loss. Can uh -huh. I read these to you? Please do. Okay, because it's really quite beautiful. Yeah. So, and not everyone would know this. So, he, in Latin, on that arch, are the words, choose well, your choice is brief and endless. Now, this could be the book you take out that day, or it might be a spouse. True. Right? Yeah. Or a partner. Also, he said, to love a living wife is a pleasure, to love a dead one, a sacred obligation. Mm -hmm. And the third quote is, there is not a breathing of the common wind that will forget thee. My Isn't that lovely? Beautiful. I know. So this whole library is a Valentine to his wife. And Heather, are you tearing up <laughs> every show we do? I do. You I tear do. Up. I do. <laughs> yeah. <It's> so sweet. <laughs> well, let's learn right, more who's our about first the guest? library and all the things going on here. So, yeah, please welcome our first guest, the executive director of the Public Library here in Manchester by the Sea, Miss Sarah Collins. How are you, Sarah? I'm very good. It's lovely to have you here in the library today. We like to think the library is filled with love every day. We agree wholeheartedly. It's a gorgeous building. Mm -hmm. right off the top and there are so many things you have going on here um, through different facets the children's library the teen section etc etc can you just give us a brief overview of all the things we have going on here oh sure I mean every month is filled with something for every age we hope every age group will find something of interest and something that piques their curiosity so in honor of Valentine's Day tomorrow the children's rooms kicking off the annual um, participation in the Bruins pajama drive will we have a box already starting to pick up new pajamas and people will donate for a month um, and as they offer these in we'll see that build and we know these will go to kids in need um, to kick it off tomorrow, we have something special. We're having a hot chocolate buffet. So if you stop in, there'll be hot chocolate and lots of mix-ins, really fun things. Nice. Is this not so, the sweetest library? Yeah, it's going to be a great <laughs> thing. Um, we all love being here and finding things that, you know, just uh, are the things that we love, whether you love mysteries or new books or you love nonfiction or you want to know what's going on in the world. The library is the place to find out. Newspapers, magazines, 
and your neighbor, who maybe you haven't seen in a while, is here. There's someone to say hello to. There's somebody to greet you across the desk. It's a big community organization, and it has an impact on everyone in this community. Mm. So you've been here for over 25 years, is that right? I have. I've been here 32 years in April. And so to, let's jump back quickly to who you are and mm -hmm. how you came to being a librarian mm. and how you came to Manchester. I, um, I'm someone who has absolutely loved the effect that books have on lives and books have been an integral part of my life forever. You know, as a child being read to, and then someone who loves writing, as an English lit major, as a grad student in library school at Simmons in Boston. Um, My alma as, mater, too. Oh, excellent. <laughs> and um, as someone who worked in our college library and started a library in a small um, preschool in Arlington when I first got out of college, um, it's something that I think libraries can touch every single part of a community, and they've certainly touched me. Um, I just feel they're very important, and I became the children's librarian here 32 years ago, and I was in that position for 27 years, and then I've been the director almost five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's Amazing. wonderful, yeah. yeah. So what makes a great day for a librarian in the Manchester Public Library? Um, a great day is a day that includes uh, the public using the building. The public coming in and finding what they need, whether it be at the computers, um, whether they're checking out music CDs or movies or a museum pass to get into the city um, and add some cultural experiences to their family, or they're taking some of the newest fiction. They're getting large print because they're at the point where that would be a really wonderful resource. Um, it's certainly better on the eyes for many of us. And um, maybe they're a teen doing homework in the teen loft. You have a new teen loft. We have a new right. teen loft Tell us that about is that. just um, going to be a year old in April. And that's after years of advocating for teenagers and kind of noticing which things were appealing to them, realizing their numbers in the library were increasing thanks to a wonderful um, young adult librarian and uh, a staff that was supportive of um, a part of the population that's often underserved. Mm. Yeah, and I think, uh, I, since I did all that research on the building itself, and there's mm -hmm. so much historical relevance here, I just love that sort of, you know, whiff of freshness with, and there's a team mm -hmm. library, a team right. area now for them to come, and the next generation to come and enjoy it. It's terrific, and there's a lot of kids that come in here um, and use the library, and it's not just for homework. They, too, need to see a friendly face. They need to know they're also welcome um, in community buildings. And... Um, there's a teen advisory board mm -hmm. that is very active. We have 16 members this year, and that's really terrific. That is. Um, that is so cool. Yeah. So what are they advising on? They're advising to the library? They're needs? advising to the library. They um, plan the programs that are for teenagers in the building with the guidance of the young adult librarian. They also have an impact on the collection development, on the books that are added in the music and the movies in their section. Um, Sometimes just by noticing trends and saying, this is a popular author, or we're studying these things in school, or 
oh my gosh, you know, have you seen this particular series of books? We have to have these. Everybody loves these. That is really cool, from the, right from the source, right? That's great. Mm -hmm. It's great. And that word of mouth then can spread with um, their age group. Yeah. Now, so what are some of the other programs you have going on here? I know you have Manchester Reads, right? Oh, Manchester Reads is a wonderful annual thing that happens with a different theme selected every year. There's a primary book, and this year we're sticking <clears throat> with the environment and um, the outdoors, and the title is The Outdoor Citizen, Get Out, Give Back, Get Active. This is by John Judge. He's the president and CEO of the Appalachian Mountain Club, and he is a local. And um, he's going to be coming and speaking at the library on Thursday, March 5th. Um, this book really advocates that kind of connection with the outdoors, with being in your outdoor spaces, and realizes that has an impact on how we view the world and how we interact with the world mm -hmm. by our activity levels. Um, we don't want the adults to be the only ones that are involved, though. Right. So we have things for children and teens um, that will connect. The children are going to use Wish Tree by um, Catherine Applegate. That's going to be in a parent-child book group. Show that, David, yeah. And then there will be science and craft activities based on can you hear the trees? And the teens will never be left out in this community. So they're going to be reading Greta Thunberg's No One Is Too Small To Make A Difference. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be reading um, fiction that's based on droughts, and it's called Dry by Schusterman. And it's kind of a thriller, kind of an ecological thriller. So lots of great activities that will tie along. Um, I know you've heard we often work with other organizations. So we're working with the Open Spaces and Rec Group. Mm -hmm. and we speak in a Mike Chapman shortly about oh, that. Oh, excellent, yeah. excellent. Yeah, there's a walk that's going to happen um, on Powderhouse Hill that will follow the Vernal Pond people being here for mm -hmm. a program. Um, and there will be many other um, events that are going to tie in with this. I'm just looking and thinking, oh yeah, Elders Climate Action, there's going to be a climate change conversation and more will be on our website. So they spend the next month reading the book and then the series of activities will happen into the spring, right? Yes, yeah. yes. and those activities will all take place in March. So it will really be a month of March filled with the um, Manchester Reads theme books and the activities that tie in. And how much participation have you had in the past in Manchester Reads? We have quite a lot of participation. Um, there will be dozens of the adult books and many of the children's and the teens as well. Um, and we will probably have several dozen people reading and attending um, the various programs. They vary. They might be some programs that are a book group with 10 and others that are 50 people participating in a larger format um, program. Yes. So for those um, in the area who haven't poked their heads in the library or yes. for outside yes. who are learning about this place for the first time, mm -hmm. what do you want them to know? I want them to know that this is their library. Um, we're here to pique your interest, to um, help you make that connection between people in the community, materials that are your materials. There is nothing that you might say, I'm interested in, that we could not find a book about. Mm -hmm. So the wonderful thing about a library is, no matter what's on your mind that day, there's something here for you. There are people that will talk to you and help you find it. If we don't have it on the shelf, we can borrow millions of objects from other libraries. Um, we're borrowing books and magazines and all kinds of things every single day and sharing them back and forth. So um, it's just a place of lifelong curiosity and education and cultural learning. 
I want to bring up one sure. event that I know sure. is happening this Saturday. Oh, yes. Do you want to talk mm -hmm. about that? Yes, that would be great. The 375th is very important in the community, and I know you'll be chatting more about the celebration in town. Um, but in our library, we're going to really talk about sharing the memories of Manchester and crafting those into stories and sharing them so we can preserve what are wonderful parts of the community. Um, we have a storyteller, Elisa Pearman, coming in on the 18th of February, which is Tuesday at 2 p.m. And then after she helps people work through um, how to take those snippets of a memory that you think, oh, it's not much of a story. You know, I'm not an expert on this, but really those wonderful little snippets about your uncle, your neighbor, or the fun things you did at the candy store growing up, those craft into wonderful stories that can be handed down. So she'll work with us, we'll have some refreshments, and then we'll share them with a larger um, community on the Saturday following. So we invite people to attend, whether to craft stories and or to hear stories, to those two events, the 18th and 22nd, both so at 2 I was, here. Okay, I was wrong. I said this Saturday. But it's, it's the one following. Okay, so yes, it's it the initial workshop is Tuesday? Yes, the 18th. And then, and this is all, what I love about this, it's telling. There is no yes. written component, no. right? It's no. learning how to tell a story, which is an right. art form unto itself. It is an art form, yeah. and everyone's story is interesting and important, but you think, oh, I'm not an expert, or I had someone say, I've only lived here 50 years. And you think, oh, well, you have lots of stories to share, but someone who's lived here 10 years has stories as well. Absolutely. Um, and children that are 20, I know, had different experiences than children that are 10. Hmm. Right. So right. we each have things to share, but those stories are also lost if you don't share them. I think that's a great workshop. Well Just said. one of the many, right? Yeah. yeah. So Sarah, if people want to learn more about the library or get involved somehow, how can they do that? They can go onto our website, um, www.manchesterpl.org, and see what we're up to. You can see the events. You can um, look and see any material that you might want, any book, anything is available there and request it. You can do your museum pass requesting there. Jacob Lawrence at the Peabody Essex, you've got passes to oh that, right? Oh my gosh, we have passes to so many wonderful museums thanks to the Friends of the Library. And the Peabody Essex made available those bookmark passes for libraries. So really there are multiple free passes oh. for the PBD Essex. That is just to honor the work that libraries have had in the past with the PBD Essex. And also Jacob Lawrence researched in the New York Public Libraries for 10 years before oh. starting that series of 30 paintings. Um, so part of the exhibit not honors libraries as well. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So there are plenty of those. That's the point. Plenty. Right? There's a yeah. big stack of the bookmarks to just freely take one. And you can use it any time oh, throughout wonderful. the time of that exhibit. Cool. Very cool. Sarah, it's been great getting to chat with you this week and this morning. And what's so apparent to me is your enthusiasm has not waned over 32 years of being <laughs> here at the library. No, it hasn't because every day is new at the library and literally there are hundreds of new books here every week. What are you and reading right now? What am I reading right yeah. now? I'm reading American Dirt because I'm going to decide for myself what I think about the controversy. Okay, we won't get into that. But, yeah. um, I know, there's a controversy. <laughs> At least she's reading. She's yeah. reading. Yeah, exactly, right. It's like, right. think for yourself. That's yeah. part of the library. Exactly. Well, thank you. Well, yeah. Sarah Collins, Executive Director at the Manchester by the Sea Public Library. Thanks so much for your time today and for being a, such a gracious host. Yeah, as well. for having thank us here. Very it's much beautiful. Coming. All right, yeah. we'll talk Great to you soon. Have us back. All right, yeah. absolutely. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> and we'll talk about American Dirt. <laughs> <laughs>
So who's next? Who do we have next? Well, I think Erica is going to be next. Oh, Manchester the Manchester Cricket. Cricket. Oh, yeah. yeah. So much to talk about there. The, yeah. yeah, there's a yeah. lot going on in, yeah. in this community, too. And, I, and just to go back to Sarah for a second, what's, it's been really cool just getting familiar again with the library because the space is beautiful. It's nice and cozy in here, every room. It's beautiful, it's, yeah. It's in the gorgeous architecture, et cetera, et cetera. And the history is awesome, too. We get to touch on all these things today, which I'm really excited about. There's some really important pieces of artwork in this building also that we have not talked about, but mm -hmm. we will later, yeah. I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Our next guest is Erica the Brown. <laughs> from the Manchester Cricket. That's Erica Brown. How are you, Erica? Hey there. How Thanks are you? Thanks for joining us. You have a little crown over your head because there are not many people running small newspapers in this country anymore. So, or, or a hero, a badge of being for being a hero, something like that. Yeah. So thank well, you. I'm lucky. We're lucky we live in a good market, a yeah. great market that supports papers. But the truth is that. Um, newspapers are really having a hard time nationally right now. I think a study came out early, late last year that 20%, um, uh, I think, oh, no, one in five, I'm sorry, one in five newspapers has gone out of business uh, locally in, since 2004. Wow. It's, it's, a, it's a real wow. problem. Wow. And that issue. was when the internet really started to just shove things out, right, do you think? Yeah, I think uh, digital is the reason why, yeah. uh, for sure. But. Um, but really, the problem is not being able to kind of adapt with the way in which people have changed in how they get information and and what they consider um, timely information and what kind of information they want when. Mm. And Larry, I was just going to ask. So, how is the cricket adapting to this new to this new world? Well, the paper is 132 years old. Mm. This coming, it's so funny. Uh, you know, Sarah says in April, 32 years. Well, in April will be 132 years. So. Mm. Um, the uh, the paper I took over the paper a year ago last November. Um, so you're so the publisher. I'm and the, the publisher editor. and the editor. Right. That's exactly right. Okay. Probably more editor in practice than publisher, to be honest with you, because I'm kind of chief cook and bottle washer. I do everything. Um, you know, we have a great staff, a fantastic staff, but I find myself sort of backfilling a lot of things. I'll go to a lot of evening meetings and I'll cover those. I'll throw a camera in my hand and yeah. you know do anything. But what we have done is we have um, launched pretty much the first comprehensive website uh, for the paper. We did that last July. We just won an award for it, so it's going very well. Yeah, let's talk about that yeah, just very great. quickly. The New England, oh. you say the award. Three it's awards. The, it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it, we were really happy about it. We just won um, last week We on Saturday night in Boston. We got it. The New England Newspaper and Press Association of America uh, gave us uh, the award. We won three awards. Uh, for best um, front page design, uh, which included uh, stories about the um, historical, the Manchester Historical Museum and a veterans thing. It was a Fourth of July story, and then it also had a great story on Alperla Farms in uh, Essex oh, yeah. next door, which we also service. Um, that was uh, best front page design, best photo series, um, and that was for the Essex bicentennial rededication of the ancient burial right. grounds last cool, yeah. year. And then the last one um, that we won was um, uh, Best Website. That is amazing. Yeah, so and Best Website, by the way. We were third, third place, which, believe me, I'll take that any day yeah, of the week. Yeah, bronze is pretty. But, but exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but second was the Vineyard Gazette, which is a paper that I just adore. I love the Vineyard yeah, Gazette. Yeah, exactly. So the, to us, we were, we were, we took that Lofty as a big, company. big, yeah. we, we've come a long way, which is fantastic. That's wonderful. Yeah. Are they online, the Vineyard Gazette? Oh, yeah, they're oh, online. Okay. I guess yeah. everyone. Although knows. you think of them as that big, gorgeous, I love that. you know, sumptuous, broadsheet. Flop, Paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your prognosis for small newspapers, Erica, moving forward? I think, honestly, we were talking about this uh, earlier, and um, 
First of all, um, you have to be in a really good market, and we're in a great market. We're in an enthusiastic market that loves the paper. There's a lot of local pride. Um, people mm. understand and love the paper and have supported it for years. It's a literate community. Too. It's a literate yeah. community. They also really understand when people are participating in the community. My predecessor, you know, the Slade family, they owned the paper for a hundred over a hundred years. Um, so it was really well. I'm only the sixth editor in the, the paper's history. Isn't that amazing? So the, that amazing. kind of stability that the paper, the community loves, you have to have that. What's the prognosis, which is what you, you asked. You just locked yourself in, by the way, for a long time. Yeah, exactly. Long I, know, I know, I know, I know. But um, the prognosis is was really bad, probably. Ironically, these numbers are just coming out now. Mm -hmm. But The 2004 numbers? The, what was the 2004 yeah. numbers, and it's that ironic. actually came out just last year, and it kind of caused this, triggered this, oh my God, moment for everybody about what's going on with the state of papers. Well, really, it's been going on for a really long time. It was probably at its worst three years ago, two years ago. Last year, it's even bad. But mm. things have changed. First of all, the the um, there is big trends in local newspapers of collaborations. So mm. newspapers are really being creative about collaborating with each other on enterprise stories that are really important, mm. like you know the future of fishing, mining, things mm. like that, prison system, prison reform, education, etc. So they're coming together and working, and they're being funded to work together by grants. So grants and nonprofits and philanthropies are coming to the table with a lot of money to kind of fill the gaps for papers that need it. Really interesting. And that's a really interesting so kind of trend. And then another thing that happened, it was in the New York Times like two weeks ago. I mean, this really shows you it's gotten bad. Mitch McConnell uh, has, has, is, you know, sort of finally, he's sort of championing a bill that's a bipartisan bill that would actually level the playing field for local newspapers. And you know why? Because senators are finally feeling it when they go home, that the local newspaper is not there to cover them. Mm -hmm. Right. So right. it's finally it. hurting them, so they're finally caring. Interesting. That's really interesting because yeah. there was, they, they passed some... Or they didn't pass legislation. There, something about the FCC when Trump first came to office, allowing. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. We don't need to go into that. We don't. But yeah. <laughs> well, it's real curious times because in this day and age of social media and instant gratification, and you can find breaking news on Twitter before a major news station can actually That's break right. it. I think there's just a thirst for actual journalists yeah. creating actual news or, or reporting actual news and not eye reporters, which the world is used to. I'm a guy who makes a living running around with my iPhone and going live. And you should. I'll relay what someone's telling me, but I'm not going to report on it. And that is a reporter's job, someone who can actually um, dig into a story and find facts and disseminate facts and figures and all that. Um, I, mean, I think the, the answer, honestly, is going to be everybody needs to know their place and what their lane is. Mm. And the truth is, a weekly newspaper should not be trying to slug it out on social media. It doesn't mean we don't have social media, but I understand what belongs on social media, what belongs on the web, because mm -hmm. we have a really important, vibrant web product, mm. and then what is the sort of more thoughtful, contemplative piece that might be in the weekly physical paper. And honestly, I, I tell people all the time, if I think of my product for the paper, the product for the paper is not the news as much as it is a sense of belonging. People pick up that paper and there's something that happens in them that makes them happy that they are where they are, they live where they are, that this is my community. And that's really what any local paper is. And because the truth is, 
I don't know this, this isn't a statistic, but I'd be willing to guess that 95% of the United States of America, you live where you live because you want to be live there. Mm -hmm. You're not forced to live there, you know, and that's your community and you want to be able to feel like it's your community. And that's the role that the newspaper has or the library. Right. Well said. But there are some really important municipal stories that hmm. are not getting told well. And I see that happening in the cricket. You're hitting, yeah. you're hitting on the crisis. And the crisis really is, because this is the truth, the crisis is, if they say leadership, you ever hear the term leadership starts at the top? Mm -hmm. Okay, corruption starts at the bottom. Right. Corruption starts in the little, little bits, the little things that go up. Now, in most communities that are educated or informed and where you have strong participation, you have less of something. Like here we have volunteer government, we have people who are doing this because, and they're talented people giving up their time for the community. In many communities in the United States, it's not as much like that, and the role of the newspaper in those communities is critical. Nobody's watching. And guess what? Yeah. In our community, it's actually, the service I provide is, I go to a meeting, I cover it. I go to the Essex Planning Board meeting, which is where I'm going tonight, and I'm gonna learn a lot, and in the next couple of weeks, my readers, our readership will learn about what's going on there while they're at work, while they're home bathing their children at night. Yeah. They don't have to go to the planning board meeting. Yeah. I'm there for them. Right. <laughs> well, it's amazing because we're, we're adjusting too with, you know, we've been at Channel 12 for yes. 35 plus years and the public access station and the PEG network and all that. And we've made a point to now all of our programming has to be on social media. This is actually broadcasting live on Channel 12 and on Facebook on multiple pages because that's just where the eyeballs are and we need, you know, we need to make ourselves as accessible as possible. And also, it's in high def too, which people don't get that on, Ouch. on Channel 12. And that's <laughs> big cable doing that on purpose. That's a whole other thing to get into. No, but it's weird to how we li we're living these parallel lives and we just want to get information from the people. And you know, the million dollar question is, What's the easy, what's the most modern and efficient way to do that? I think 1623 has really sort of kind of gone into the future in a really interesting way. I think that even things like your, the moving of your studio to where it is in the middle of the community, like literally catty corner from City Hall, yeah. where you can see it, is a very important statement and it's a really important innovation that's just as important as social media and programming and the way you distribute your content. Mm. So will you be a guest again? We need you as a regular. <laughs> yeah. Sure, we as long to. as you guys are doing it. <laughs> we, we have big plans for you, Erica. Yeah, we do. We, right. we need to stay tuned because yeah. We, yeah, we, have, uh, we want to be working with you a lot more closely moving well, forward. you guys are great to work with. I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate your time. What's yeah. next with the cricket? Anything, is anything big? Any big scoops I'm just to share? covering, no, she no, just no. Won no just won the award. She's like popping the champagne. What's next? No, I'll be going. Honestly, I think the next thing, I mean, I'm sure that you're going to be speaking about it, but the next big thing is the 375th programming, especially for next week and mm. the historical next museum. Guest. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. There's Very your segue. Right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. All righty. Yeah, Erica Brown from the Manchester Cricket. Thanks, right, Erica. Thanks, we'll talk to you soon. See you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Oh. That was awesome. Well, it's just so exciting to see a small town newspaper come to life again, right? Yeah. And not have it be yet another sad story in well, journalism. People care around here too. Obviously, yeah, it's maybe we're a little different from other places, but it's a destination place. There's tons of history. There's tons of culture. There's tons of events going on. Um, but who gets to tell the, the greatest story as well? Or like Eric was re referring to, you know, those small tendrils in a municipal level where right. um, that need to be reported and relayed to the community. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating. It really is. It really is. So who do we have next? Well, right. next is we're going to learn a little bit about Manchester's three, you know, it's 
their 375th anniversary this year. I know uh, that, yeah. A little younger than Gloucester. Yeah, and here, and he is, are you spearheading this committee, Tom? Um, co-chairing. You were co-chairing yes. of the um, Manchester by the Seas 375th Correct. Uh, committee is Mr. Tom Kehoe. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you. Great to be here, and uh, it was nice uh, to be with you down at the uh, 1623 Studios a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's a nice space, yeah, you know? Beautiful. Yeah, thanks so much. Okay, so for those who don't know, can you just kind of give a little background info on what um, the 375th is all about and what you have um, planned for yeah, us? So here? we've had a committee of people that has been constantly growing. We met our first committee meeting more than a year ago. And then we started to we started to plan our activities, get funding for them, um, spending uh, time organizing them, and getting different subcommittees working on them. Um, so we've had two events at this so far. We've had a great Christmas tree bonfire, mm -hmm. which was delayed a couple times because yeah, of the weather, back. and then came in real nice. And we had a family fun day. And I think as Sarah already mentioned, we're going to have a couple of storytelling workshops here in the library. So we have activities happening for families, for adults. We have activities based uh, looking towards senior citizens, like a, a high tea coming up at the Shark's Mouth Estate. So we, we have a, a year-long set of activities uh, numbering 25. That's so impressive. I was kind of curious, Tom, um, <clears throat> and thanks for being here. Thank you. Uh, how much is this celebration looking back and how much is it looking forward into Manchester's next? Well, there's a certain amount of history. Uh, they have the, uh, I know you're going to talk to Beth Wellen later today and from the Historical Museum. Uh, the Historical Museum is putting on seven lectures this year, which are based all on Manchester and the past. Everything from the Indian settlers in Manchester to a course she calls Manchester 101, which is Manchester for beginners, mm -hmm. I guess, in terms of what it's all about. And then they'll talk about the maritime history of Manchester, talk about slavery here on Cape Ann. So that's kind of the past. And then the present and the future, I guess, everything is really kind of in the present. But we're also giving people an opportunity to go to places where a lot of people in town haven't been. We have a um, we have a, a great high tea scheduled in May, which is at the Shark's Mouth Estate. Which Where I is think the Shark's Mouth Estate? The Shark's Mouth okay. Estate is, uh, is between here and Magnolia, right on the ocean. It is the uh, summer home of the Curtis sisters, who were great golfers and uh, championship golfers. Uh, in fact, the uh, Curtis Cup is uh, given out every four years for the amateur golfers of the United States playing against the amateur golfers of Europe. Mm -hmm. And they had that here at Essex um, just about five years ago. So um, so the Shark's Mouth Estate has been so good to open themselves up for us to have a high tea there. We are having a big fundraiser in a little less than a month over at Essex County Club, um, which is going to be a, a cocktail party and a silent auction with some live auction items thrown in. Uh, but there'll be a, there's a, a mix of little activities and major activities. We're kind of all focused towards the middle of the year. On uh, June 18th, we're going to have uh, the town birthday party. June 18th um, is actually the 375th anniversary of the signing of the proclamation that took us away from Salem and formed Manchester. Uh -huh. Oh. So we don't have to be here um, for that one. So we have, yeah, yeah we're exactly. going to have that as a concert. Have you ordered that cake yet? Uh, it's a big one. It's a big <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. yeah so we're going to have a panoramic picture taken first down at Masconomo Park, 
then a concert by N-Train, and then we've invited oh. um, uh, the governor, the, our, our senator, our representative to come. And during that time, the kids from the families will have a chance to make little um, floating birthday wishes for the town and then turn on the, the candle and put them all around the bandstand. We'll have the end of the band concert. So it'll be a, a good three-hour event for families. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be a real thing that we kind of aim towards. And it's right at the end of school. So mm -hmm. I think the kids will love to come there. Number one, they're going to have music. Number two, they're going to be able to make little birthday wishes. And number three, they'll have cake and ice cream. Yeah, yeah Kevin so. is right across the street, too, if need be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, perfect. If they're on low on ice cream, yeah. Mm -hmm. Captain Dusty's right across the street. So well, This is a year's worth of events. Now. Like how, yeah. Explain a, bit, a bit about the volunteer effort. How many of you are working with? And well, the, what happens is that uh, some of the smaller events are just done with people on the, on the committee, mm -hmm. and it could be two or three or four people on the 375th anniversary committee. Um, some of the larger events, like the gala at Essex, there's three people from the committee, and they've gathered six or seven of their friends to work with them. So, um, this as, is a fundraising gala. Yeah, in most cities yeah. and towns, um, there are an awful lot of people who are volunteers, and without those volunteers, um, some of these efforts would fall flat, and we don't want that to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, how about, uh, so you mentioned the Essex Country Club Gala as a fundraising event. I mean, any other fundraising um, events we have up? We have sent out um, a fundraising uh, request to residents, and we've been very happy with the uh, response that we've had. We've also sent a different fundraising event, a, a letter out to different businesses in town. We're still working some of those prospects, but our main goal is by getting this money and having the fundraising event at Essex, that all the events will either be at low cost or no cost to everybody. Because we've got certain, we have certain people who in groups have stepped forward and said, yeah, I'll sponsor that or I'll take care of the costs for this for you. So mm -hmm. it's, been, uh, it's been very overwhelming in terms of the response that we've had. We still can use a little bit more funding you never know how much everything is going to cost, but uh, that cake. Yeah, well, that <laughs> huge cake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm worried about it well, already. I'm worried more about the cost of the ice cream. Yeah, well, that's probably <laughs> true. That's true. Then, Tom, right. So, if people do want to help. How can they do that? Well, they can uh, get in touch with Town Hall. They can drop um, something, uh, a, a donation to the 375th Anniversary Committee at 10 Central Street, or just drop it into Town Hall. Uh, they can get in touch with uh, me or Sue Thorne, who are the co-chairs, mm -hmm. and we'll be glad to see if we can talk to them about donations. It's, uh, it, it, this is a case where it takes a village. Then <laughs> why did you take this on? What's your love for, where does your love for Manchester come from? Uh, I, people always say, always say to me, have you lived here your whole life? And I say, not yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, I moved in when I was three days old. Something with Pretty my parents close. in some way. <laughs> out, of, out of town there. <laughs> yeah, born at Beverly Hospital. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been involved in the town um, doing things through the fire department, the board of selectmen, different committees, um, the Boy Scouts. So I've, I've been involved in the town and it just, I got off the board of selectmen and um, stepped down from doing that. And then people said, oh, you'll never come back and do anything for the town. And, 
Seven months later, I was appointed to the 375th Anniversary Committee. So I want people to have a, an appreciation of the town and how special it is to live here and how special the people are here. And I'd like to engender that kind of uh, love for the town in everybody who comes to the events. Well, we appreciate all the work that you're doing, Tom, and uh, we're really looking forward to the entire year's celebration here. Have there been any murmurings about a 400th anniversary yet? <laughs> Um, the co-chair and I are trying to survive the 375 <laughs> at this point, although we, we did look at <clears throat> Essex's 200th last year, mm -hmm. Wenham's 375th a couple years ago, uh, and I know I'm going to have a lot of interest in reading what happens in Gloucester for their 400th, right. which should really be very special. I see they have the, the judging for the medals and everything like that, getting right. ready to go on, and that's one of their main fundraising things. We did do a logo um, with the uh, students at the Manchester Essex Regional High School, mm -hmm. and that's where our logo came from. So it's, uh, it's been very nice, and that relationship worked out really well for us. Well, cheers to you and yeah, this community-wide effort. Get that effort. going. Yeah, we will. We will. The ice cream subcommittee. Right, exactly. Save two <laughs> slices of cake here. Yeah, yeah, right. Save us cake. We will, we will definitely have a, a special bowl of cake and ice cream for Thank each. You. Perfect. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon, Tom. Yeah, Thanks thank again you. for joining thank us. You. Great. Yeah. Glad, right. to, glad to visit. Thanks okay. for all your Tom good work. Yeah. From, bye bye. Thank bye. you. From the 375th Anniversary Committee here in Manchester by the Sea. Manchester or Manchester by the Sea. You never just depends who you ask. True. We yeah. haven't even got into that. Yeah. Do we need to? We should tell, might have to take in a, uh, an informal poll right, online exactly. too. Right, exactly. Yeah. I do, do call that. it Manchester by the Sea, but growing up, I mean, it was Manchester for crying out loud. You know? Uh, when I Google it, I do by the Sea because yeah. I know I'll end up with Manchester, right. England. Well, that's and, what the and movie Hampshire. was. Too. I know. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Well, it's time for our, our musical interlude. I love this For part. the afternoon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So joining us here is uh, Chris Lingatianos and Joe Wilkins. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? It's good seeing Thanks you. Thanks for having us. I feel like, Chris, I see you like four or five days a week now. That's right. It's, it's coming we went, to that point. We went a long period of time yeah. not seeing each other. Here we are. Yeah, we like a we bar hop via osmosis or something. We're kind of finding our spots around Easy town. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. So uh, I want to get to learn a little bit about um, your backgrounds as well um, and uh, how um, you started collaborating with each other. Ah, uh, yes. That's a good question. Let's see. Actually, it started years ago at Giuseppe's. So I was supposed oh, that's to do, a, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. So I was supposed to play a gig with some other people and somebody needed to have surgery. So that was not going to happen. So then I asked Joe, hey, can you fill in? Can we do this together? And we did. We liked the way it went. And it's kind of gone from there, I guess. Yeah, we yeah. still like the way that it's was, gone. That was probably about seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you guys just bounce around like gigs to gigs every now and then? Festivals? What, what, you, what, you, know, what are you guys up to normally? Like how are you, where are you working together and how often? Go ahead, Joe. Uh, well, we've done a couple nights uh, across the street here at the antique table mm -hmm. right here in town. Um, and what else? We, we play in Gloucester. I've heard um, you play at the Old Sloop. Yes, mm -hmm. we yeah. did the Old Sloop Coffee House um, in Rockport. Yeah. It's been a while. We're due for one of those. I think. Yeah, yeah, that was a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And then we're doing in a uh, in a couple. Actually, tomorrow night with our full band, we're playing at the Music Hall in Portsmouth. Oh, nice. Which oh, is nice. Uh, is a bigger venue, so that'll be fun. That's part of a bigger bigger comedy event with uh, com comedians from all over the country come in, and so we're going to be the house band for that. And then on um, August thirtieth, we're playing with Chelsea Berry at the Shaolin Lu. Oh, cool. Right. Very cool. Right. May thirtieth. 
May 30th. Yeah. What did yeah. I say? August? You said August. Uh, yeah, yeah, May. May. <laughs> well, what about your? <laughs> what about your individual backgrounds and the love of music? Where did that begin? Yeah, because I, I, I really don't know uh, much about uh, either of you and where you grew up and how this all sort of came to be. You want to go first? No, you go ahead, Jeff. Well, uh, I started playing drums when I was like 13 or 14, and uh, I picked up the guitar a couple years later, and I was playing in bands in high school and stuff, and then I just, I just kind of kept doing it. Um, but I, it really kicked into high gear when I moved back to Gloucester maybe about 10 years ago, huh. um, and I decided to, that hey, this is great, I'm going to do a lot more of this. Like, I just really enjoyed it, so I've been playing a lot since then. Nice. Chris. And then for me, when I was a kid, I used to do a lot of musical theater and chorus type stuff. Mm. And then um, when I got to high school and college, I w didn't. I wanted to be more of the athlete guy, so I kind of got away from that for many years. And then it wasn't until maybe eleven years. You wanted ago. to stuff the kid in the locker. <laughs> I didn't want to do that, yeah. but um, yeah. And I just, I really kind of just came back to it probably about eleven years or so ago. Mm. Yeah. And well, you're still very athletic. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very athletic. So one arm just on the back. I'm the sporty <laughs> one of the duo. Yeah, sporty spice. <laughs> well, we're really happy that you guys are here to uh, perform a couple songs for us today. So if you want to uh, tell us about what this first song's about, we'll take it away. Sure. Yeah, this, uh, this uh, song is called Your Town is Gonna Change. It's a working title. Um, and it's just about uh, changes that happen in towns with the economy and living and so, um, yeah, yeah, we're gonna play it for you. Yeah, my folks, Joe Wilkins and Chris Lingathianos.
once upon another time Living everywhere till We got my line, these streets don't look the same Your town is gonna change Underneath a different sky It's evolved and changed. In fact, it changed this last night and this morning. It's, it's, it's kind of a work in progress. So, yeah. It's really yeah. beautiful. Thank and you. Hey, so if people want to get in touch with you or book you, how can they do that? Well, actually, people have been asking us that for years, and we always <laughs> e evade them. We're really um, mysterious. But we actually have a, a Facebook page now, and it's Chris and Joe. Chris plus Joe. Um, you can find us there and reach out and book us that way. Awesome. Yes. All right. Well, that was great. I loved you. hearing Beautiful. it. Can't wait to hear you guys again in a little Thank bit. You. Thanks so much, yeah, Chris Lingathiasa and, and Joe Wilkins. All right, we'll yell over to you guys in a little bit. All right, there, right, thanks for having us. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Woo. Yeah, I was almost cried. So cool almost cried. Guys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was close. <laughs> But I held it together. Yeah. Yeah. So that was great. It was beautiful. Just and I remember as soon as they began to play that song, I thought, oh, I remember this one. It's yeah. Really nice. We used to have them with the bridge at their strawberry festival too at mm. Mile Marker. And the summers are awesome. Mm. But I've seen Joe does like the Magnolia Farmers Market and I see him all over the place. And I literally do see Chris like four times a week. Yeah. Oh. Anywhere. We well, we bumped into like, him. He's that guy. That's like Callis. There he is again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, all right. Are yeah. you ready for our next guest? I am. This is going to be really cool. We've talked with Beth Wellen before. Come on in, Beth. She's from the Manchester Historical Museum right across the street. Yes. It's good to see you again. Yeah, I didn't even have to put my coat on. No. <laughs> That's right yeah, thanks for joining us. Thank you. So, well, do you want to just, um, for those who don't know about the Historical Museum, just give us a little A to Z on that? Okay. The, the Historical Museum is in the 1823 Historic Trask House. It was Abigail Trask's house. Um, originally, it was half the size, and she ran her own little store. And then um, she got married, and as their wealth grew, she doubled the size of the house, so it became a mansion. Mm. Um, we will be celebrating its 200th birthday in just a couple of years, in oh. 23, so we just had some renovations done in one of the rooms to making it look as best as we possibly can. Nice. And does it reflect her home, her, the way it she It does lived? reflect the time period that she lived in. Mm -hmm. um, 
The outside is the early 1800s. It's very much federal, but the inside is mostly Victorian, which would have been the later period that she, when she had the addition and when she put in beautiful curved staircase and did other things. Um, most everything in there is from the town, though. Uh, we do have pieces that belong to the Trask family, but everything in there technically is supposed to have a connection to Manchester. Mm -hmm. You know, from a Manchester family, used by a Manchester family, and it all helps tell the whole story of Manchester. Very cool. So, especially the furniture, because we had a lot of furniture makers here in town. Oh, right, right. right. So Manchester's bread and butter for a long time, it right? It was, yeah. yes. Right. So now, what about this building in particular? Okay, you asked me. Yeah, so really, I brought some pictures. Okay, so um, and so I can yeah, actually can hold I these ask, up for you. When did you're... I get it right, the story of the arch? And uh, were you here when I was... Um, I didn't hear it. Sorry. Um, what did you say? <laughs> well, I said that uh, Charles McKim married Julia Appleton, and she tragically died, and he has engraved three pieces on the arch to sort of honor her. Is that right? I believe that is right. Okay. I would have to double check, but I was so going to mention lucky. that you need to look at it, and I know they've done some zoom-in shots of the beautiful carvings on it, mm -hmm. and that is part of the original construction of the building that McKim did that put arch. in. That, that beautiful carved arch, yes, along with the um, Tiffany window. So, um, yeah, Tiffany window's amazing. Of course, so. being the historical society, we have all kinds of old pictures, old postcards, and so we've got these wonderful images. Um, here's a 19, early 1900s image of the museum, and you can see it really hasn't changed Not much. Far the away library from today. I'm uh, oh, sorry, the library. The library. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, I can show you the original drawing that McKim presented. Oh wow! Okay. And you can see it didn't change much. No. It really is going to his eye. Um, and it, stuck to it. It still hasn't changed. Right. Yeah. Which I'm glad about. I mean, yes, I'm a historian, not pres preservation, mm -hmm. you know, let's be a purist, yeah. keep it that yeah. way. Right. Um, it's beautiful. And if you look up McKim and Richardson, because he worked with the Richardson architecture firm, um, you'll see that he did some other libraries that have very similar motifs, the towers, the arches, Quincy in particular had one that looked very similar to this. So, um, but it was paid for by this man, and hopefully you got a good picture of his painting there up on the wall. TJ, yes. yes. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson Coolidge, yes, he is a descendant of the Thomas Jefferson, the president. He's a great-grandson, I think, is that right? There's a couple of greats in there. Yeah, okay, I, maybe yeah. great-great, right, yeah. But yes, that's but him. But direct, a direct descendant. Direct descendant, yeah. and he, um, Coolidge Point is named after him because he bought it. And he built his summer home, and then his kids built a couple of series of summer homes, and there's still a descendant out there right now. Um, Kit Kitty Lastavica, and she's um, given her, her property to the uh, historic New England, mm -hmm. and so um, they'll be keeping that place going. That's beautiful. Um, the, the Coolidge. That's gorgeous. Out so, uh, but this was Manchester was a summer home for Thomas Jefferson was, Coolidge, yes, right? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So um, this was his resort place. His this was his resort place. Well, he decided that the town needed, you know, a library. For fun, he did. Do, I don't know if they knew this, but he donated the property for the Essex County Club. I didn't oh, know that. I didn't know that either. So, yeah. That, that was so, he needed a club and a library. But, yeah. Well, he, <laughs> he had purchased the farm, and a group of people decided they needed their own county club, and so he gave that property for that. So, uh -huh. yeah, he was very much a benefactor for the town. But here, uh, for the library, he uh, decided he would pay for a library here for three purposes. And one is as a memorial. And I'm just showing you a bad mm -hmm. picture, but I know Lisa got some good pictures of all the marble plaques yeah, out in the gorgeous. hallway. If you look, there's over 20 names of uh, people who died during the Civil War. Um, some in battle, some to disease, some in the prisons, some on the uh, battleships. Um, but that's 
this is a memorial to the Civil War um, veterans who were lost. And that we've been talking about the marble, yep. the marble itself that McKim chose for mm -hmm. those plaques that list the Civil War veterans is very special. Uh, I just heard the name. It's called Nubian Marble, yes. <laughs> um, which I believe is because where the marble came from. But, right, um, so it's from North Africa, and yep. what's really amazing is it's filled with fossils. And you, if you look carefully, you can Listen. actually see them. And you know, the colors. The Nautilus shell. The and, yeah, it's beautiful. So and most people don't look at them. You actually have to look carefully to read the names. And maybe that's on purpose. You think Do, so? I don't know. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. It isn't it, easy to read. I agree is, with you. It's yeah. not easy to read, so you really have to stop and look, and then you'll notice your little fossils. Exactly. Right. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And you really do see them if you look carefully. Yeah, and you know, the Kim, I don't think, you know, forgot much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did a good job. Yeah. Um, so the library part, and here's an old black and white photo of the library section. Um, and you can see that original screen. Yeah, so this there. is the arch I, we were talking yep. about, and the, that's yeah, where the these engravings are. Yep. And yeah. I know Lisa took some good close-up pictures, okay. gorgeous carvings on it, go look at it. And, and um, it's 800 years old originally, right? This, the original woodwork? That I don't know. I Isn't had that to look we, that up. We heard, yes. Part, yes. Okay. Yeah, from yep. Brittany. I don't want to quote anything I don't okay. know. Okay, okay. Good, David. Okay, so. hey, and yeah. the third purpose of this building, um, goes back to the Civil War again, mm. a home for the GAR, the Grand Army of the Republic, the veterans of the Civil War. And here is a photograph after the library was done of those veterans, some of them still in their unit, wow. wearing their uniforms um, in front of the library. And I believe it was this section that we're in right now that was their hall. Mm. Um, and um, as the veterans started dying off, eventually the GAR as a group um, kind of died out. Yeah, and so the library right? could take over this room as well. Interesting, and I'll show this for David. So this, I love these photos. And this is around 1900 or so. I believe the date is on it. Yeah, it says about, about 1900. Yeah. Very mm. cool. So. And so, Beth, can you talk at all about just sort of um, what this library has meant to the town of Manchester over the years? Is it, is it now just sort of the community and cultural hub? Or? Well, it's definitely that. Yeah. Um, but it's, Has it it's always been that way? Is it well, I think that was the purpose. Yeah. I mean, not only to, for the, the Civil War honoring, um, but to have a library. During that time, there were towns who were deciding that it was time to have a cultural center. You should have a public library. And it's not, it wasn't a new idea. I mean, Benjamin Franklin started the idea, you know, Oh, well, over 100 years earlier, but not every town had public libraries. Mm. So he I had, decided we needed one. I had read that the local lyceum had originally had a library, yes. and then the elder brethren mm -hmm. said to Thomas Jefferson Coolidge, we need, we need a library. I would so be surprised. Their idea. I give them credit if it's, yeah. <laughs> it's I do know that um, the first library was in the Old Town House, which is basically the, where the fire department is now. Mm. So that's where the Lyceum had been set up. Okay. So, Beth, what's going on at the museum these days? What's going on at the museum? Okay, well, we just finished um, redoing two rooms in the house we were closed from Christmas until yeah. last week. Um, and two rooms, uh, our old kitchen in the, in the hallway off of it to the old front door. Uh, we're in pretty bad shape, and so they've been all fixed. The plaster's been repaired, all the painting's been redone, and there's gorgeous new historic reproduction paper in there. It looks oh, wonderful. Beautiful. You need to come see it. And it's nice inside yeah. there, too. Um, 
And so now we're starting up our programming again. We did have a break for January because we were a mess during all that work. And um, yep, all our programs are up and running. Every month, We, you heard uh, Tom mention the lecture series. Yes. The entire 2020 lecture series devoted to sequential history of the town's history. Um, so yeah, um, next Thursday night is Mary Ellen Lampianca mm -hmm. with Native Americans, uh, wigwams on Jeffries Creek. Then that's, I think that's fascinating. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's very yeah. fascinating. Uh, uh, and there has been. That's very Lampianca. There's been things. Yeah, it's definitely good. Yeah. I mean, when we had to do Native Americans in this yeah. area, I'm like, I know who I'm going to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, and then of course we're doing um, Manchester 101, an overview of the history for everybody. Then um, Liz Breen, who you're probably familiar yes. with, will be coming and speaking about slavery, mm -hmm. which right. she's been researching for years um, on KPN. And yes, it was here. Mm. And not just slave owners, but actually slave traders. And mm. so we'll be hearing the sad part, but a real part of our history. Mm -hmm. We don't hide our history. And then um, we'll finish the spring season off with the Master Mariners. Um, mm. Um, and then we pick up again next September, and we will talk about the Gilded Age, all the mansions, and we will talk about the special landmark and special places of Manchester, how they got their names, how they came to be, and then we'll end off with um, World War One and World War Two, the home front, what was happening here in Manchester during... Um, those wars. Oh, that's I interesting. Love it. I'll be yeah. tapping your shoulder a lot this year, Beth, because Beth Please actually do. helped me with the timeline oh, uh, Cape Ann for the, how those. Manchester by the Sea got its name, or yes. even how Manchester got its name. Yeah. Um, and but we also would love to do a show like this across the street. Please come. Yeah. We love it. So let's plan that too. Yes. Okay. So if people want to learn more about the museum, how can they do that? Website. All you have to do is Google Manchester Historical Museum, and that's us. Um, yes, there are lots of Manchester historicals, but. You'll recognize us. It has the Trask House on the picture, and it's Manchester by the Sea. Um, we do have a Facebook page, too. Mm -hmm. You can Google that. And yeah, each month, like I said, the lectures on the, are the third Thursdays. Third Saturdays are our children's programs that we do in combination with the library. Mm -hmm. um, the Saturday uh, we'll be at the museum, and we'll be looking at uh, the quilts and the stitching work that was done. Um, so that happens each month during the school year. And we always try to have something special, too. We do have a big art show coming up in March. So nice. With mm. all the local KPN artists um, showing their stuff. Yeah. In the Trask House. In the Trask House. Oh, great. Well, in the hall in the back. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I love chatting with you, Beth. Great. Yeah. It's fun. I, and I love learning about this stuff, too. So hopefully we can talk to you sooner than later. Yes. I do another timeline as well. So yeah. okay. So thank you, Beth Wellen from. I can take up. Yep, you can. <laughs> yeah, you're free to go from the Manchester Historical Museum, right across the street. Yeah, go, go see her sometime. Yeah, thank you, Beth, right, thank so you. much. Yeah, awesome history here. Amazing stuff too. It's just another like encyclopedia. Are you ever going to tell encyclopedia us? Set. Are you going to tell us how Manchester got his name? No, you have okay. to watch Timeline right. Cape Man. Oh, okay. Sixty twenty okay. studios. It's so, out there. Here we have um, a special friend this of mine. This isn't actually the guest, right? No, that's not. The, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but she's coming soon. Pavlina. This is, come sit down. This is Pavlina Gilson, the designer and owner of Prem Love. Hi, Pavlina. And Hi. Corey. Hi. Nice to meet Hi. you. Nice Thanks for doing you. this. So, Pavlina. Thank you for inviting me. It's so nice to have you. Yeah. So, I just saw Pavlina the other day because mm. I visit her often, and my dress is was designed and created, made, hand sewn by Pavlina. Beautiful. Pavlina lives in Manchester, and she has her her shop is called Prem Love. Her studio is called Prem Love. P R I E M L O V. So you are a local artist yes, that I we're am. featuring today. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and. 
you want to tell us about the coat that is right next to you? So the coat, uh, this is my signature piece. Uh, I designed it for my senior collection. Uh, at Mass Art. Art. Yes. And uh, the inspiration is uh, Czech medieval castle. I'm originally from the Czech Republic. Oh, you're not from Manchester? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you back up a little bit and tell us where you're from, Pavlina, and, how, and your background in design. Uh, so I grew up in the Czech Republic, and I moved to the States in 97. And I traveled a little bit, lived in Vail, did lots of skiing, mm. and then I met my husband and moved to Manchester. A Manchester resident his yes. whole life. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. And then I went to Mass Art. And, um, I guess there is this history. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think of your designs having a little bit of an Eastern European, European. you know, I don't know, they're, they're modern. And Am I right to say yes. that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, lots of people say that they really can see that, uh, you know, that, the her that I have the European heritage, that yes. they're, they're a little bit different than pieces here of you know that you can buy or you can see so right definitely so now tell us about the coat so this is um, this is your award-winning piece also um, right it was yeah uh, it, um, so actually this piece is the second one I ever made and the first one I made uh, for my senior collection and right right after the um, runway show my professor bought it <laughs> and I haven't seen it since. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's been a little bit over. So this piece I made 10 years after. I really missed it. And I said, I have to just make it again. So I did. And actually, it was good timing because I took part in um, Sea Arts, the wearable art show. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was on the runway. And it won um, another uh, award as the most architectural piece. And it is. Because these pieces are all hand sewn. Uh, so this is I a chain stitch. It looks like ashlar stone to me, but it's. Yes, yeah. that's true. Yes. It's like the stone facade in the building here. That's, mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. that's the idea behind it. So there actually are two pieces of different wool. I uh, crochet up stitch and then I sew it on. Uh -huh. So it has like a little bit different texture, different depth. And. Um, so this is all hand stitched, that wow. black line. Well, by it? machine, but oh, with hand. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, okay. <laughs> and, then, and then applied. Yeah. Hand stitched by machine. That's fine. Well, hand stitched by machine. I said machine do it. But it was you had to apply it to the yes. oh, fabric. Yes. And it's right. actually yeah, you kind of have to measure and so not really measure because you do want it to look natural. You don't want it to look like it's really like machine made exactly the same. Mm. So right. not every brick really looks the same. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. I was gonna ask, where did the love of design come from? Like when do you know growing up that uh, this is I, I guess I always like in my dad um, was a tailor. Ah. And uh, so I kind of um, saw him sewing, and I guess it comes from him. And I still remember my grandma, she would uh, sew a lot too. She would sew all her pieces. She wouldn't sell them, but that's uh, what you would do in the old times. Uh -huh. um, I guess I had it in my jeans. <laughs> yeah. So, but I do, I want to return to the fact that uh, there is something. And I would like you to talk about it a little bit more about 
where your inspiration is coming from in your background, in that Czech history, in the European history. Because I think your clothes are really unusual for this area. And it's part of it is that they're contemporary looking, but it's also that other element. And your fabrics are really interesting. That's, yeah, I, you know, I love fabrics. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, well, what I like to do with my pieces is that, you know, they are fun to wear, they're different, they stand out, but they're still comfortable. You have more different ways how you can wear them. Um, and I always, uh, not always, but I try to add in pieces like some of mine, uh, not childhood, but, you know, like some little parts from my past that kind of reminds me. I made once, uh, I mean, I still make it a skirt with buttons and I just made it and never really thought about it. And I brought it back when I went to see my family and my sister told me, wow, this is the skirt I used to wear when I was in my teens. And I said, well, I don't remember, but I guess it was kind of stuck in my head mm. and it came up. I didn't know, like I thought it was my original design <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> but I altered it a little yeah. bit, yeah. I guess. It wasn't exactly the same. Yeah. Well, and I will add, so not only do you design the clothes, you make I every make every yes. single piece, yeah. And they are very reasonable, mm -hmm. given that all that work. I want to put that plug in there. <laughs> but they, I love them because I feel like they're instantly, they're kind of stylish, but they're so comfortable. <laughs> I keep going back to Pavlina saying, I just want that same dress because I wear that dress all the time. It's like my pajamas. So can you just pick the same thing in a different fabric? Well, and they right? look different. Yeah. They do look different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I did branch out a little bit with this one because this but fabric this is, is a nice one. Yeah. yeah and it has a little, people can't see it, but it's like bunched on one yeah, side. So it kind of so it's nice. Yes, the... exactly. I'm, I'm loving this dress. I'll take your word for it. Huh? Okay, <laughs> I'll show everyone later. So. So, um, and how about your, where can people find you, Pavlina? If I know that you have a website. But. I have a website. They can uh, call or email me and uh, just make an appointment to see me in my studio. So by appointment in your studio. Yes, yeah, I don't have a regular opening hours. Yeah. Um, and there are actually a couple local stores. They are carrying my uh, pieces. Uh, there's one uh, in Rockford, Coastland Country. Mm -hmm. They started carrying my pieces uh, last fall. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, very new. I did not know they found me. I did not know they existed. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, well, I'm still uh, coming to it's you. A, it's, a, <laughs> it's a very uh, beautiful store. So I'm very Coast happy. and country. Coast and country. Great. They're on Bearskin Neck. Oh, great. Um, and, um, and Betsy Frost um, designs in Ipswich. She is a mass art graduate too, and she does beautiful jewelry. Nice. So it's a good, so she found me too. And right, nice. We have more in common than I knew. So <laughs> that was, uh, that's good, so. Yeah, oh nice. So online, mm -hmm. and, uh, by appointment, yeah. or at Betsy Frost, or. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to see, you know, everything what I do and have more choices, the best thing, just come to my studio. Right, and these coats, you have a, ver a variety of uh, or variations on this coat that are really beautiful. I, yes, so if you don't want to go all the way because yeah. that's a very <laughs> dramatic piece. So I did make um, a little bit, I wouldn't say toned down version, but more uh, 
uh, coats that you could wear it every day. Yeah. This is uh, actually my uh, professor, she would tell me uh, wherever she wears it and goes to a restaurant and there's a waiting time. They never ask for her name. They only write down the lady in the great coat. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. And this is your dress also, right? This is my dress. This is one of my newer designs. Yeah, I love this. It uh, has like a pull. It has a pull. So it's kind of a new take on a wrap dress. Wonderful. That's not V, but symmetrical. Yes. I like the symmetry. Yeah. yeah, it looks, yeah, you do like asymmetry. <laughs> I know that. I know that. Well, Beautiful, Pavlina. Right? Right? Thank so you. you're going to check it out for Valentine's Day? It's I a think little the next time Pavlina's on, I think we'll both be in Pavlina's okay. dresses. <laughs> Manswear. Oh. <laughs> you haven't done manswear. Yeah. I did yeah. one for my school project. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's hard, I know. That's it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming well, by, Pavlina. Thank you for having me. Really yeah, appreciate thanks. it. We really yeah. do. It was great meeting you. Nice meeting Just, you. Yeah. And thanks for all the work you do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Pavlina Gilson. And you can find her at primlove.com. Right. P R I E M L O V dot com. Right. Perfect. Right. Thank, Thank you, you so Thank much. You. And your friend, the head of the course. Very I cool. do love that coat. I'm actually a little chilly, and I was looking at it, thinking, if I could just put you it. You could throw on. that one. I could throw that one on. Right. Too. Yeah. The Michelin Man coat over there. If you want that over your shoulders. No, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm All okay. right. So our next guest. We've got to know Mike a little bit over the, over the last year or so. Uh, really cool stuff. We're going to talk about a couple different subjects with him. Come on in, Mike. This is Mike Chapman. He is with the Open Space and Recreation Committee here in Manchester by the Sea. Um, and then he also does something else, too, that we're going to uh, get into in just a little bit. Thanks for joining yeah. us, Mike. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. So yeah. for those who don't know, what is the Open Space and Rec Committee here? Yeah, it's, a, it's a good question. We've been a committee for about seven years. And we're a composite committee of other groups within town. So we comprise uh, members of the Conservation Commission, uh, Manchester Essex Conservation Trust, the STREAM team. And what our charter is, is to make sure that we coordinate with the other, with the other groups and make sure that we promote the usage of open space, uh, promote the, the fact that we want to uh, try to uh, protect the watershed, protect the, the various animals that live in the open spaces. And uh, it's really just to make sure that people know what's available in town and how they can use utilize it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you want to talk about about um, the Powderhouse Hill? A specific and all one, yeah. yeah one, sure. A specific project that we're working on is at Powderhouse Hill mm -hmm. here in Manchester. So that's bounded by School Street, Pine Street, Pleasant Street, and also Elm Street. Uh, Fifty-three acres here, right in the middle of town. Uh, the, the area started about 1812 with the building of the powder house. What uh, is a powder house? So it's to store uh, gunpowder for the muskets and the cannons uh, in the, during the War of 1812. And it's still there. It's, it's restored, so you can still go up and see it. Is it up yeah. in, in the center of the property? Uh, it's, it's right off of Elm Street, so it's, it's an easy climb. And I think most people know about the area from that because it's very easy to get up there. Our but they don't job. really you can hike in your yeah. mattress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't really know the rest of the area. Um, yeah. And the reason that we started the project to organize the trails into trail loops and put in new signage uh, is that I had two friends that grew up in town and they wanted to go from School Street to Pine Street to catch the Fourth of July parade, got all turned around and came out on Elm Street. And these are guys who lived here forever. So it was really, there was a need to try and get the signage done and, and to get the trail loops in place. Uh -huh. yep. 
So when you're talking about more public usage, is this yes. hiking and biking or, or what exactly? It's really anything. Uh, hiking and biking in the open spaces. Uh, we also, we take a look at the, the usages of the waterfront area. Uh, hmm. Pike is doing an awesome job on that, so we really don't have much it's to the do with it. The Harbor Master here, yeah. The Harbor Master, right. But a lot of it is, is maintenance of areas. Um, we've put in a new bridge at Dexter Pond. The old one was, was a set of railroad ties that had just rotted away, and uh, we had a fellow, Ken King, a volunteer in town, who developed and then helped us build that new bridge there. So those are the types of things we've done. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm. These really reflect yeah. well on a town. You know, when I, I've traveled a little bit, and when you mm -hmm. arrive in a place and the, the trails are well marked and the bridges work, yeah. it really feels like people are, um, keep, people care in these places. I think you're right. And I, and I think one of the key things for us in the Open Space and Rec Committee is the CPC, right? The Community Preser Preservation Committee because they've provided us with the funds to be able to do the project at Powderhouse Hill and at Dexter Pond. And without, the, without that group, we, we really wouldn't be able to do much work. Oh, so Mike, why is this so important to you? Well, I think it's what makes Manchester really special. Uh, the areas that, that people can enjoy outside of the downtown area, um, opportunities to get out and to interact with nature when you're in some of these open spaces, you could be up in Vermont or in New Hampshire somewhere, and it's just amazing that all those spaces are right here within a couple minute walk. So it really makes Manchester special. Mm. Do you have any idea how much open space Manchester actually has? I, act I don't, I'm, I'm gonna have to check. Uh, okay. I know that we have the, uh, at Powderhouse Hill, as I said, it's about 50 acres. And uh, there are other areas around. Some of them are protected by the Conservation Commission. Some are not. Some are still privately owned. But there are large swaths of, of open space mm -hmm. around the town. Yeah. Mm. I yeah. apologize for asking you that yeah. again. I remember <laughs> that that was a question mark. But and, and, I, and I failed to look it up. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. But I do know that it seems as if Manchester has a lot of open space. And yeah. when you drive down 128, it's all... Open it's space all on there. Side. It's all yeah. there on either side. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of it is open space for hiking and biking, but it's also important for things like the watershed area. Uh, and that's one of the special things here in Manchester. When we take a look at the other towns during the summer, they have water restrictions and watering restrictions. We rarely have it here. And it's because we have good protection of the watershed area. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's. Um, what was I going to ask about something about Powderhouse specifically? Because I actually haven't been up there in uh, daylight in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta that's be careful. so Corey. So that sounds like a good story. <laughs> Just before you went to the library, like, maybe we we'll skip that story. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing that you're also a part of too is this Formula Hybrid race. Yes. Now you work yeah. at Dartmouth. I work at Dartmouth College. Yeah. Yep, two days a week. Uh, I'm a Dartmouth and a Thayer School of Engineering grad. Mm -hmm. uh, I've worked at the Formula Hybrid competition since it started about 15 years ago. And it started when the Dartmouth students took a car to a college uh, competition and the car was present was banned because it was a little too competitive. So the students came back and instead of redesigning the car, they designed their own competition. And that was 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so every year we invite students from throughout the world to come build a hybrid or battery electric vehicle. Uh, this year we have US, Canada, and India represented. Last week in April, they bring the cars up to the uh, NASCAR track, the New Hampshire Motor Speedway up in Loudoun, New Hampshire. 
we're there in the infield uh, where all the pros are. Uh, so we run from Monday through Thursday. Run those cars through 10 different types of events and then crown the winners after that. That's amazing. Yeah. So do any of these ideas head back to Detroit? Uh, they absolutely do because we know our, our students have ended up at Ford, GM, Fiat Chrysler, Tesla, SpaceX, Boeing. So wow, we, that's, we know that's impressive. We know they're working out there. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. Kidding. yeah. that's great. What are they being judged on? They're winning awards for what? Performance and uh, it, performance is one. So things like acceleration test, mm. uh, autocross, where they try and, and weave their way through a set of cones in a, in a certain amount of time. Uh, endurance is the big event, so they have to be able to run 44 kilometers oh. on the road racing course. So it's it's hills and it's and it's curves uh, with a set amount of energy. So they they have to make sure that they can conserve it. Um, and then we have things like the static events. Uh, we have a design event where judges take a look at the design, the engineering design of the car. Um, and then project management. We have a project management portion of it. So they need to plan the project, do a mid-course correction, and then report on it when they get to the track. How many students are on a, a particular team? Is it, is it open-ended? It's, it's usually about 15, but we go anywhere from 4 to you know, 30 or 40. Um, so during the, during the week, we normally have, this year we have 18 teams. So that's between 200 and 300 students. Uh, we bring in about 100 volunteers from throughout New England to yeah. help us run the, run the event. Yeah, and there are two of us that, that run this thing. Right, yeah. and this event is open to the public? Loud open to the public, yep. Don't have to, there's no, no, uh, you know, no money that you have to pay to get in. Right. So yeah, if you want to come up and see. And one of those dates yeah. again? It's, it starts April 27th, ends on April 30th. Awesome. And on the 28th, we have a VIP reception. So Dean Alexis Abramson from Thayer School will be up there. She was just named the Dean in, in July. And then she'll also be there on Wednesday to meet with the students. If so. people want to learn more about this or somehow get involved, how can they do that? Yeah, so the uh, website is formula-hybrid.org. Very cool. Yeah. Right. So, and lastly, I want to go yeah. back to yes. the Open Space and Rec Committee. So yeah. is, are most of your efforts geared towards like public policy or is it fundraising or just awareness? Or? Uh, it, it's awareness and really getting the public involved. Um, and because we're a composite group, the, the, the upside is we have people that know what's going on in all the other committees. Mm. So we coordinate with everybody. The downside is everybody's busy so it's tough to get everybody together and to get things get things done although you know the folks on our committee and and other volunteers have spent a tremendous amount of time um so that's one of the things that i'll push for is that if anyone wants to volunteer for mm -hmm. open space and rec or one of the other committees you know please feel free and how would they yeah. do that mike is it so it's through town hall okay uh, so so talk to the folks at town hall and they'll they can set you up Perfect. The other thing I did want to mention that sure. I forgot is that we have a, an event coming up on uh, Sunday, March 15th. And we're going to have Rick Roth here at the library. Cape Anvernal Pond team. Cape yeah. Anvernal Roth. Pond team. Rick Roth. Rick Roth. Rick Roth. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Cape Anvernal Pond team. Uh, so there'll be a presentation here. And then afterwards, folks will walk up to the Vernal Pond, which is part of the of the Powderhouse Hill Reservation, mm -hmm. and then uh, he'll be able to describe what's going on up there. Very cool. And that connects with the Manchester Read program that yes. Sarah Collins was talking mm -hmm. about, because that's part yeah. of that, everyone is reading mm -hmm. the citizen, the judge book, yes. and people yep. are dedicated to getting outside. 
Exactly. Right? And also, yeah. I want to make that point that above mm -hmm. us, right, is the mm -hmm. painting that was mm -hmm. done from Potter House Hill yep. mm -hmm. of the town of Rockport. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the town of Manchester, I hope. Manchester. Yep. I'm sorry. You yeah. can almost see Rockport from that point. But it is one of those things, when, when we talk about Powder House Hill, we talk about hiking, we talk about the trails, but when you stand at the Powder House, you can look out, you look out over the harbor, you're on the same level as the Congregational uh, Church steeple. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's an amazing view. A beautiful yeah. spot. Well, it's a beautiful yeah. painting, yeah. and that's as yeah. far as I've gotten. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll get the name of the town right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't plan it now. Now we know, know what we're up to. Right, yep. so, right. Awesome. Right. All right, Mike, right. thanks so much All right. for your time. Thank thanks you. So I appreciate much. it. Yeah. We'll visit again with you soon sometime that's, and see what's so. going on. Yeah, very cool. Mike Chapman of the Open Space and Rec Committee here in Manchester, and also the great story about the uh, Formula Hybrid. It's fascinating. As well. Really yeah, fascinating. Formula-hybrid.org. I bet there's some auto scouts that go to that race, right? Yeah, From, absolutely. You know, either Boeing or, or Ford. Who are showing up there, right, to see what's going on with these young kids? You saw where they're getting placed nowadays and where they're working, you know? Yeah. Awesome. All right, so that's a wrap, Heather. We're going to bring back Chris and Joe uh, momentarily, but we want to thank today's guests, right? Sarah Collins, the executive director here at the library, Erica Brown of the Manchester Cricket, uh, Beth Welland of the Manchester Historical Museum, Tom Kehoe from the 375th Anniversary Committee, Mike Chabin from the Open Space and Rec Committee, and Pavlina Gilson of Premlove, the designer right here in town. And we also want to thank our crew, uh, Director Becky Tober, Technical Director Matt McMakin, Floor Director Lisa Smith, Production Assistant Alana Horn, and Camera David Lufkin. Yeah, and we'll be with you again on two weeks' time, uh, Friday, February 28th at the Rocky Neck Cultural Center. And I think we're going to have five or six artists actually creating art around us for the entire show. Oh, so that cool. should be pretty interesting too. Yeah. So uh, thanks again, everyone. We'll see you guys next time. Once again, Chris Lingathianos and Joe Wilkins, thank you guys for both being here today thank too. You. Thanks for having us. And take us away. All right, this is a song called Michigan.
We'll have you back on again. Absolutely, man. Thanks Thanks for for your time. All right. We'll see you next time, folks. So now we're here.